Thank you, Fred. All right. Hello, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this simulating webinar on what does the reliability of a K out of N system look like? And the reason I actually decided to select this might appear to be a mind-numbingly boring topic for a webinar is that not many people really understand what a K out of N system can actually do for reliability. So if you were to ask someone, well, what's the difference between a Cadavan system and a parallel system? They might be able to give you some rudimentary answer about, okay, one system requires more components to work than the other, but what does that actually make reliability look like? Which one would you use to improve warranty reliability or what, or, uh, or, or servicing intervals or, or anything else that might be relevant? And if you don't know, then how do you know if a Cadavan system is, uh, is the right one to use? But, I appreciate that some of us might not have ever heard of a card of it and a system. So let's go through and talk about how we can make something more reliable through the use of redundant components. Now, one of the most well-known ways of doing this is to use what's called a parallel system. You can see here, we have a two-pub parallel system, which is can be modeled by a reliability block diagram or a fault tree like this one, above it, which is based on what's called the AND gate. Now that means that our system fails if component or pump A fails and pump B fails. And each little circle in our fault tree is what we call a basic event. And it represents, in this case, component failure. So the basic event, the circle with letter A in it represents pump A failing, and the circle with uh, letter B in it represents pump B failing. Now system will fail only if pump A fails and pump B fails. That's what a parallel system is. It's redundant. One only needs one component to do uh, to, for the system to work, which is why we need both of them to fail, for the system to fail. And uh, as a little cheat, the easiest easy way to find out the system reliability characteristics for a parallel system is to simply multiply component failure probabilities. But then of course, this is not the only system we need to deal, deal with. Uh, here is an example of an of a, a different sort of system. This is called a series system. And this the name comes from the fact that most components appear to be arranged one after another or in series. And you can see here that this system has a pump and a valve. The pump, a system will fail if either of these two components fail. There's no redundancy. And so we can model this or represent the reliability of this system using a fault tree or reliability block diagram. In this case, we have a fault tree with what's called an OR gate. That means our system fails if component A fails or component B fails. Uh, and of course, there's lots more, uh, there's a lot more uh, resources on ascendoreliability.com if you want to learn a little bit more about system reliability modeling. But hopefully, this is just a little bit of an intro to fault trees. Now, we don't really need to do too much more than that. However, just one little uh, a bit of advice if you need to find series system reliability all you need to do is multiply component reliability so for parallel systems you multiply failure probabilities and for series systems you multiply uh, component reliabilities but then there's another system which is the inspiration for this webinar and that is a k out of n system in this case we have a two out of three system that means our system fails if fewer than two out of these three pumps are working. So this system only needs two of these three pumps to work, meaning we have one pump that is redundant. So in a way, it's similar to a parallel system. Uh, but that said, we use this uh, logic gate in our fault tree, which is called the Cardovin uh, gate. And in this case, we can be even more specific, write the letters two slash three to indicate to anyone looking at our fault tree that we only need two out of these three pumps to work for our system to work. So this might be a system which requires 100 gallons of water to be pumped per minute, where each pump can pump 50 gallons per minute. So we need at least two pumps to be able to work. And so that's a fundamental difference between a CAD of N system and parallel and series systems. 
And so if you've never if you've never heard of a card about out of end system before congratulations you are now a master so that's in a nutshell as an introduction what card event systems uh look like and just to revise this system might need 100 gallons per minute to be pumped and each pump can pump 50 gallons per minute which means that we have the ability to meet our system requirement if only two of these pumps are working. Uh, some people can call this sort of system a, a particular type of load sharing where the entire system load is split between more than one component. So in many cases, what some people refer to as a load sharing system is actually a CAD event system. Now, before I get nasty chats and emails and tweets and and bomb threats, of course, there are lots of different definitions of what a true load sharing system is. And some of you might say that doesn't include CAD event systems, but many people use the term as if it does. So just to be aware, we can use, well, the term load sharing is sometimes used to represent CAD and systems like this two out of three pumping system. So if we look at this, uh, two out of three system in a little bit more detail to understand how what failure looks like. So failure, the system will fail if less than two components have not failed. So if we have one component that has not failed and the other two have failed, our system has failed. And, and because of that, this is called a two out of three system. Laboring the point because it's very important to get some of these fundamental aspects of CAD event systems and two out of three systems understood before we talk about some other things as well. So for our two out of three system, my computer's going to catch up, where we have obviously three, uh, three components. There are lots of different scenarios for our system to work. You can see here we have three pathways where fluid can be moving through two functional pumps. Now, a parallel system can look very, very similar to this, uh, to this uh, two out of three system. At least when I say, when we say look very similar, if you'd walk into a plant, you would you, you saw three pumps arranged on three parallel pipelines you could reasonably guess that that's a parallel system and that would only apply if the system only needs one of these three pumps to work. So in this case, a parallel system looks very, very similar, but it only needs one of these pumps to work. In fact, parallel system is a one out of three system. So a parallel system is a special case of a K out of N system. And if we were to look at these three pumps, but instead of them being arranged on, a, on uh, three different pipelines, they are arranged on a single pipeline to create a series system. That means there is only one way for our system to work. Uh, all three components are working. Actually, a series system is a sneaky form of, of another version of a card event system. This is a three out of three system. So both series and parallel systems are actually specific instances of K out of N systems. It's just that as a rule, as soon as we use the terms K out of N, what that means or implies to us is that we have a system where as a rule, more than one component, uh, we, we need more than one component to work, but we need less than all of those components to work for the system to work. So technically though, parallel system is a one out of, uh, one out of N system and a series system is an N out of N system. So what does that mean for what we are going to be doing moving forward? Well, I'm going to start by reintroducing the old favorites. I'm going to assume their favorites, my random hands of failure. Now, for people who are veterans of my webinars, you might have, you might be, uh, uh, remember that I like using these random hands of failures to represent the failure processes of different components. However, I don't know if I've ever used a webinar where I've shown three or well, at least more than one random handers of failure, random hand of failure, random hands of failure for plural for more than one, uh, essentially holding each other like this. And you can see here 
each hand of random hand of failure is uh, got a little label on it, which helps us understand for which pump each hand is representing. The fact that these hands are holding each other essentially visually represents that these com components are working in concert. They're all part of the same system. Now, let's just say these three pumps are part of a Sir, uh, uh, sorry, before I got, got ahead of myself, you can see that each one of these uh, these data points which drop from these random hands of failure, we have a red one, a yellow one, and a blue one to represent the times to failure of the of pump A, pump B, and pump C, perhaps when our system was being, um, uh, was, was being tested. And now we have these three data points representing how long each pump uh, lasted for. And this... If we, if the system is a series system or a three out of three system, we know that our system fails when the first pump failed. In this case, it happened to be pump B. That red data point is the one that's on the furthest to the left on our time to failure arrow. And so that's what a system failure, sorry, that's when system the system fails in this case because a series system will fail when any component fails or when the first component fails. Three out of three systems, it's when the first component fails. However, if this is a if this is a, ceases being a series system, and in fact, these pumps are now arranged or a part of a parallel system, which is a one out of three system, then we only need one pump to work. And so our system actually fails when our last pump has failed, which in this case was represented by this uh, blue, the uh, pump A was the last pump to fail, and its time to fail is represented by this blue data point on the right. And so you can see visually how a parallel system makes things more reliable, and because a parallel system fails when you uh, when the last component fails, or a series system fails when the first component fails. So parallel systems which involve redundancy are inherently more reliable than series systems. Okay, so we've got a one out of three system for a uh, parallel system. We've looked at the three out of three system for a series system. Then there is a two out of three system. Now, two out of three system still has three pumps, but you can probably guess when, uh, well, you can probably understand or look at this, this illustration right now and be able to work out or points to where our system failed, which is this yellow dot in the middle. In that case, it was pump C. So pump C was a second pump to fail. It failed after pump B failed, but it failed before pump A failed. It was also, that's at the point when pump C failed, where we ceased to have two functional pumps. And so our system failed when pump C failed in between those two points. So straight away, what was the title of this uh, this webinar? What does the reliability of a K out of N system look like? I actually use the term look in a very deliberate way. Uh, I wanted us to actually visualize and see what reliability or what failure looks like for, in this case, K out of N pumps or K out of N pumping system or K out of N system. And... The first observation is if you have a bunch of data points representing the times to failure of different components, any card event system tends to have system failure sort of more centrally located within all those data points. So if we get our random hands of failures, uh, random hands of failure, get the uh, placement of the plural word in that phrase right, uh, if we were to use these hands to represent for, uh, an incredible number of uh, reliability tests or an incredible number of, um, uh, of amount of field data, we'd be able to see something very, very, very interesting. Now you can see here that the green data point dropped. That green data point now coincides with the uh, time to failure or the yellow data point, which represents pump C failing. Now, I'm going to come back back to that question that Carl has asked, in, in a little in a, in a in a short period of time, because we're going to go through some really important stuff, and I want you to focus 
And what you're about to see on your screen, when we ask our random hands of failure to uh, show what it looks like if we were to test an incredible number of two out of three systems. And that means we're going to get lots of data points falling down. The, in this case, I've removed the colors from the data points representing the times to failure for the pumps. I've added green to the data points representing the time to failure of the system to try and actually just sort of separate between the two. In this case, the uh, each pump is identical, so it has the same reliability characteristics. But of course, now you can see the sort of cloud, distance cloud of data points because you can't see a whole lot of information. So let's add a histogram to help us visualize the times to failure of, I think this is like uh, maybe 10,000, two out of three pumps that were tested. And of course, uh, we didn't physically test two out of three, uh, 10,000, two out of three pumps, but let's just say in a scenario where for whatever reason, we're able to test 10,000, two out of three pumps, or we had field data for 10,000, two out of three pumps. This green histogram helps us see the, the variation in time to failure of, uh, of our two out of three pumping system. Now, if we were to compare this histogram to the histogram for our series system, you can see that the green histogram has now moved to the left and is a little bit, uh, for those who missed it, it probably didn't uh, give as good an intro to that animation as I possibly could, so I'll go back. If we move to a series system where the, the system fails when the first component fails, then you can see that the green histogram is not only to the left, but it's a little bit more spread out as well. And that, again, is both those things are expected because our system fails when our first pump fails. So it's failing earlier. But um, the, when you have the middle of anything, it tends to sort of reduce the variation. So when we're looking at extreme values of something, which in this case, an extreme values of time to fire the first pump, you can see that our green histogram representing time to fire for a series system is to the left. And of course, if we were to look at the same green histogram, but now our series, uh, our series system becomes a parallel system, you'll see that the histogram moves all the way over to the right because a parallel system is inherently more reliable, involves redundancy. And as you'd expect, our, uh, our histogram shows that our, the, the parallel system time to failure is to the right of the times to failure of the majority of individual pumps. Now the two out of three system histogram is right in the middle between those two. And again, now we're starting to see what the reliability of a uh, two out of three system looks like. Now let's change our perspective. And instead of looking at the histogram and the density of data points, put these data points on a reliability chart or a chart that represents a percentage of things that have not failed. So you can see that black now, well, what, that line that looks black is actually all those tens of thousands of data points representing pump times to failure, creating what appears to be a smooth line. You can see that green line is actually the reliability curve of the two out of three system. So the black lines, black line represents the reliability curves of our three pumps. Now three pumps are identical, so they all go over the top. Now as a rule, when we have uh, systems with redundancy, the components tend to be identical. Not always, but tend to be identical. So it's not unusual for all three components in a system with redundancy to have the same reliability characteristics. Now, one thing you should notice very, very clearly is that our reliability curve for our two out of three system perhaps is behaving in a way you might not have intuitively expected. At the very start, our two out of three system reliability curve is higher than the reliability curve of any single pump. But at the end, the reliability curve of our two out of three system is lower than the reliability curve of any, any single pump. We'll talk about why that is very shortly. But before we do, and to help us have that conversation, let's look at the reliability curve for our series system. That green line there represents the reliability curve for our three pump series system, where the system fails when the first pump fails. And as you would expect, you can see that the reliability curve for our system is always lower than the reliability curves for our pumps. 
because our system fails when any one of those first any when the first pump fails. Essentially, a series system just gives your system more ways to fail. A parallel system, on the other hand, gives your system more ways to work. You can see that the reliability curve for a three-pump parallel system is obviously higher than the re reliability curve of our three pumps at every single point in time. Now, a two out of three system is neither one nor the other. A two out of three system is appears to behave like a parallel system early, but then it behaves like a series system towards the end of its life. Now, show of hands, who is uh, who is uh, being shown these behaviors or who are, who are realizing these behaviors for the first time? Anyone, we have a show of hands you know, from our attendees. Who's for the first time is realizing that two out of three or count event system behaves like a parallel system when it's uh, when it's young but a series system when it's late so i got a couple of us there so there's a couple more but the people who put up their hands are not only um not only learning something new for the, for the first time but you are also braver than some of your your uh fellow students that's cool not a problem so i'm going to ask you guys a question and I, I invite some people to put their answers in the chat window. As a rule, are we more interested in the reliability of our systems when they are young versus the reliability of our systems when they're old? And when I say young, I'm talking about reliability of our systems when the uh, uh, in the time you'd expect no more than 10% to fail versus the reliability of our systems when you would expect the last 10% that have been hanging on for dear life finally fail. Which of those two scenarios matter the most? And think about servicing intervals and warranty periods and things like that. Are you more interested in the first 10% of your things failing or the last 10%? Anyone brave enough to hazard a guess? Bert, Michael, love it first 10 percent love it as a rule when 90 percent of your systems have failed its service life or useful life has come and gone a long time ago fantastic so even though two out of three systems and card event systems behave like series systems like which are inherently less reliable that might be okay because we are mainly interested in the behavior of our system when it is young. And so that's a very key or important takeaway from our from our um, observation of cardiff and systems. But let's look at some more characteristics. So here is the reliability curve of our two out of three system. You can see the black curve representing the reliability curve of our pumps. You've got the green histogram for the times to fail of our system. Now let's add the histograms for our pump times to fail. So you can see the green histogram is sort of in the middle of that, uh, that that darker set of three histograms for our three pumps. Now, let's just say that for whatever reason, our pumps are, there's a lot more variation in the times to fire of our pumps for whatever reason, as opposed to the pumps tending to fail around a single point in time, they are more spread out. And you can see both histograms have spread out as a result. So our reliability curves are a lot less, uh, have a lot more of a gradual slope. Now, one of the more useful metrics and many uh, decisions that are based on reliability performance is what we call the L10 life. And so what that means is if I was to circle 90% reliability and draw a line across to, in this case, our system reliability curve, that gives me the L10 life. And that's just simply the time by which we expect 10% of our systems to have failed. And sometimes uh, warranty periods and servicing lives can be based on servicing or or, or, uh, or scheduling a warranty period to coincide when no more than 10% of your things have failed. Uh, for different business cases, it might be need, not, might need to be the L5 life where you expect 5% of your things to fail or the L3 life or whatever the right metric is for you. But let's just focus on the L10 life for this little conversation. Because the... Uh, 
because each pub also has its own L10 life. And in this case, the L10 life of each pump, um, sorry, the L10 life of our system, our two out of three system is 33.3% longer than the L10 life of our pumps. But if we were to go back to that original case where we would had minimal variation in our uh, pump time to fail, all of a sudden, the L10 life for our system is a lot closer to the L10 life of our pump. And so this is another really interesting uh, characteristic as well. And that characteristic is that uh, when we reduce the variation in times to failure, oh, the, uh, oh, come on computer, it's doing its own thing. When we reduce the variation in, in pump time to failure, the things like L10 life also tend to decrease and have a, a less of an effect. Now, my, my computer is having all sorts of fun gallivanting off in this webinar. It's obviously way more excited than I am about pressing the next button. And so what that means is that we now have had a conversation where we're at a, where we, we uh, have looked at two systems, a parallel system and a two out of three system, where both of these systems involve redundancy. We know that the two out of three system and all code event systems behave like parallel systems when they are young and they behave like series systems when they're old. But as uh, many of you students pointed out, in fact, we're actually usually only interested in the early life of our uh, two out of three system. Now, let's get back on track. Here we go. All right. So when it comes to uh, designing for reliability, for example, one of the many challenges we are facing, sometimes making subsystems more reliable, we are often, one of the first things we, we, uh, we, um, we think of in a, in a very sort of cheap way is to essentially add redundancy. And the first type of redundancy we always think of is the redundancy where we, uh, we only need one component to work, i.e. a parallel system, uh, which is a usually the first uh, type of system that springs to mind when we talk about redundancy. But a two out of three system or any kind of end system also involves redundancy. So what would make you choose a two out of three system versus a parallel system or vice versa? Well, let's just say that we are faced with the design challenge of coming up with a pumping system or pumping station that uh, is required to pump 100 gallons of water per minute. Let's just say that's the challenge that faces us. Well, a parallel system um, needs to have obviously two pumps in this case, where each pump is able to by itself pump 100 gallons of fluid per minute. A two out of three system, on the other hand, is not does not have the same constraints. In fact, we are now able for our two out of three system to use smaller pumps. In, in this case, each pump is half the size of the pumps used for our parallel system because each pump only now needs to pump 50 gallons per minute in order to meet the system requirement. So the squares or the area of the squares behind each pump represents the capacity of these pumps required to meet the system requirement. And hopefully you can see that the individual pumps in the two out of three system, their red squares are much smaller. And if we look at the overall pumping capacity of each, each system, the, the parallel system, which has two pumps, each being able to pump 100 gallons per minute, uh, has a capacity of 200 gallons per minute. Got my sentence structure mixed up. Whereas the two out of three system on the right-hand side, with each pump only having to pump 50 gallons per minute, only has a 150 gallon per minute capacity. So it has a smaller capacity. However, you might've saved yourself some money because perhaps having three smaller pumps is cheaper than having two larger pumps. The other thing is that if you have a capacity of 150 gallons per minute, that means that your overall footprint on your, in your plants or in your system is much smaller. 
So you now have a total capa uh, pumping capacity of 150 gallons per minute or 50 gallons per minute less than the total capacity for the parallel system. So you take up more, le sorry, less floor space with a two out of three system. So you want to use K out of N systems to get redundancy, which implies that for K out of, K out of N systems, reliability will behave like a parallel system, not exactly like a parallel system, but like a parallel system when your system is young, which is which tends to be when we're most interested in the system reliability. Oh, and by the way, you can perhaps save money by buying more components, but each component has a smaller capacity and you can take up less space on your planned floor or within your system. Now you should be starting to see why parallel systems and two out of three systems should be investigated with a lot more thoroughness and a lot more understanding of what you're trying to achieve. Because each of these two different systems has have uh, certain pros and certain cons. Of course, maybe you value the 200 gallons per minute capacity. Maybe you want to have 200 gallons per minute pumping 90% of the time. Maybe that increases the amount of, uh, amount of money or throughput in your plant. But at least now you have some uh, numbers you can play around with in order to, to work out which system might be the right one for you. Now, the other thing too is that card uh, event systems can provide you what we call degraded performance. And so that means it might have failed, but it's still able to provide some level of functionality. So for example, let's just say two pumps in our two out of three system um, fail, which means our system now has failed because it's required to pump 100 gallons per minute. But our last pump that's still working is still happily pumping 50 gallons per minute. So this is an example of degraded performance, even though our system has failed, which might offer some benefit. So you know when you do your FEMIA or FEMICA or risk assessment or risk management plan, um, not all failures are created equal. If, you, if your parallel system has failed, what that means is your parallel system can no longer pump any fluid. If your two out of three system has failed, there's still a chance it might be able to pump at half the required uh, flow rate that's for your system, but at least that's something. And that can be the difference sometimes between an inconvenience and a catastrophe. So here's another little, little characteristic for your two out of three system. Now, Although this is this discussion is largely being about what does the reliability of a card event system look like, and hopefully you can start to see what it looks like, let's just do a little bit, uh, a little bit, a bit of formalism here, and let's look at our two out of three system. In fact, let's look at a not just a two out of three system. Let's look at a k out of n system where we have uh, any possible integer value for k's and n's. And uh, I don't always enjoy throwing equations around. But what we're going to do is we're going to go through the equation that you need to perhaps one day use in order to find the uh, reliability of your CAD event system. Because if, you, if you're going to choose between a CAD event system and a parallel system, you might need to evaluate its reliability in order to make that, that case before you rip out a two pumping system to replace it with a two out of three, two, sorry, two pump parallel system and replace it with a two out of three system, uh, which has a smaller footprint and costs less, you just might need to double check the reliability of your card event system still meets your, uh, uh, your, your plant requirements or your system requirements. So here's a card event system. Now, the god awful equation we need to use to, to calculate card event system reliability is this monstrosity on the screen right now. So let's try and deconstruct this, this, this equation just a little bit in order to understand what these uh, alien-like symbols mean. If we look at our this equation, uh, one of the first things you might notice is this weird-looking E-shaped letter symbol on the left-hand side. Now, I know some of you know what this symbol is. That is... Um, the, uh, that is uh, essentially the sister to these are the uh, to this other symbol we often we often see in reliability engineering, which is the Greek uppercase letter pi. Now the uppercase letter pi represents multiplication, 
and the uppercase letter sigma represents addition. So when you see these two symbols, essentially what all they're doing is they are trying to help us simplify our um, uh, our uh, equations or our uh, our expressions that represent something important. So if we're to focus on, in this case, pi for the first, this symbol here tells me that I am multiplying whatever x subscript i represents up until a value of n. So what the hell does that mean? Let's just say I measured the heights of 10 people or 12 people or three people. And X subscript one represents the height of person number one, X subscript two represents the height of person number two, so on and so forth. Now let's just say that for I don't I'm going to go in the future and measure a group of people, their height, the heights of a group of people, I should say. Now, I'm not entirely sure of how big that uh, group will be, how many people are in it. N represents the size of that group. And essentially, this equation or this expression is short form for multiplying x1 by x2 by x3 all the way up until xn. And as you can imagine, um, that becomes very useful. For example, when we want to plot, want to apply, multiply reliabilities, which is very important for series systems, uh, we use that expression there, r subscript, subscript i, of t to represent the reliability of the ith component at time t. So r1 of t is a reliability of component one at time t. r2 of t is a reliability of component two at time t, so on and so forth. And sigma down the bottom, this weird looking e letter does exactly the same, except for addition. So if instead of multiplying those human heights, I want to add them together, then I can use this symbol over here to represent me adding those human heights together. And, nine, and when it comes to reliability engineering, we often add times to failure. So one of the more common expressions you'll see is this expression that involves sigma on the left and T subscript I, where T1 is a time to failure component one or system one. T2 is, a, is the time to failure of system two, so on and so forth. So hopefully that sort of takes the edge off the concerns you might have for that weird symbol on the left-hand side. Now, the next part of this equation that you need to focus on is the fact that underneath that sigma, we have I equals K. Now, when, that means that we're, we're talk, when we talked about adding or multiplying human heights and we said when we, we add height of person number one plus a height of person number two plus a height of person three, so on and so forth, this expression here says we're not starting from the first height or the first component. We're starting from the kth component. So we go, we, we start when i is equal to k and then continue all the way up until n. So for example, if n was 10 and k was seven, we'd be adding the heights of the seventh person we measured plus the height of the eighth person we measured plus the height of the ninth person we measured plus the height of the 10th person we measured and ignore the heights of all those people who uh, occurred before the index, in this case, seven came around, the seventh person we measured. So that's that part of the equation. Then we have these exclamation marks here, which are perhaps accurately capturing some of the emotions you might be feeling out there when you see these god-awful equations. I know that... Uh, it's not, I know it's how I feel when I see all these symbols. Now, these exclamation marks are what we call factorials. And they make uh, challenging equations look even more challenging. But it's, it's actually a very, very simple concept. So in this case, we would pronounce this expression here, n factorial. What does n factorial mean? It just means that n factorial is a product of one, two, three, all the way up to n minus two, n minus one, then n. So we just multiply all integer values up until whatever n is. So for example, three factorials, one by two, three multiplied by two, multiplied by one, which is equal to six. Two factorials, two multiplied by one, which is equal to two. Four factorial is four multiplied by three, multiplied by two, multiplied by one, which is 24. 
And if you need to uh, solve this using Excel, that's the formula, formula you use. Factorial, or FACT for short, followed by the, the uh, whatever N value you're using in brackets. So that's all that, what, that's all, um, that's the only thing, sorry, that's what those exclamation marks mean. So let's say we are going to, we need to understand the reliability of this system, which is a three out of five system. And we're going to practice using this Godolphin equation to find its reliability. Well, let's start from the start. We know that this system has a total of five components. So straight away, we can replace the letter N with the number five, and we know only need three of these things to work. So you can see K beneath the letter sigma has been also been replaced with number three. And so we are adding these terms where i equals three, i equals four, and i equals five. So let's separate these terms out to get rid of that sigma. And this is what it looks like when we separate those terms out. You can see we're adding these three terms together, starting with i equals three, then i equals four, and then i equals five. So all we need to do is for each expression on the right-hand side with its corresponding value of i, is to substitute in that value. So what this term at the top actually tells us, this is a probability of all five components working. You can see five factorial multiplied by the reliability of each component multiplied by, to the, sorry, to the power of five. Then one minus the reliability of a component to the, each component to the power of five minus five. And on the bottom of this fraction, we have five factorial multiplied by five minus five factorial. Now we substitute in i equals four for the next equation, which happens to be the probability of four components working. And last but not least, in goes i equals three, because that's a probability of only having three components working. And so now we have a, a way of uh, hopefully breaking down the uh, concerns or the, the challenges one might, one might ordinarily have for finding the reliability of a K out of N system. So this is all, if you have a three out of five system or anything like that, that's this is the only thing, only equation you need to use. Now the last but not least in this conversation is you know that uh, we need to uh, first and foremost have the reliability expressions for each pump, each component. And that is simply, the function that gives you the reliability curve of each component. So all this is for nothing if you don't understand the reliability characteristics of your pumps. You need to find those characteristics first. You need to have the reliability curves, not just point estimates, in order to work out or potentially fine tune whether you're going to use a Cadavan system or not. Now, in your guidebook, you'll have this equation and a bunch of others to help summarize uh, the equations you need to use to conduct system reliability analysis for series, parallel, and K out of N systems. And you can see it's not just the, the reliability, but it's also the failure probability. Now, before I open it for questions, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the four questions that Carl has thrown my way. Carl, first us, system redundancies increase the reliability of a piece of machinery or IT systems. So users know in the event of system failure, the redundant system is working in the background to either mirror the primary function or start to kick in after an error has occurred. Any thoughts? The first thought I'll have, Carl, is that by definition, um, uh, when you say system failure, I believe what you mean is component failure. So that uh, the idea of component fails, the redundance, oh, I see what you mean here. So, um, you're using the term system to refer to a component or subsystem. Now, one of the cultural issues that redundancy gives is this false sense of security. You know, the Navy from my home country, Australia, has been guilty of this for decades, where they would put to sea with, uh, where they would have, for example, uh, systems that are required to have uh, two redundant subsystems operational. If only one of those was working, they'd put to sea 
and wonder why fleet reliability was uh, was was terrible. So one of the issues with redundancy can be a cultural tendency to downplay risk. We have uh, so this system is uh, is a parallel system with two or a total of three components or three subsystems. We only need one of those subsystems to work. Therefore, we don't have to take reliability quite as seriously. If two out of those three subsystems have failed, sure, we'll still put to see, or we can delay maintenance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my first thought when it comes to redundancies and how it, how it affects uh, cultures or cultural decision-making. Calvin also asks, at its core, redundancy is the duplication of critical components or functions of a system to increase reliability. Concur. It's a safeguard against failures. Concur. But don't mistake redundancy for having a backup. While backups store data or capabilities for recovery after a failure, redundancy ensures no interruption even during a failure. Any thoughts? You are spot on, Carl. I couldn't agree with you anymore. So for example, I might back up my files on my computer to make sure that in the event of my computer exploding, I can then purchase another computer, download my backed up files and continue working. But I still have to go through the pain of having to, once my computer is exploded, put out the fire and clean up the mess, then purchase another computer, uh, set it up and, and download those backed up files. So backups are all about mitigating system failures. The system has certainly failed if you need a backup uh, to, to be used. That said, backups are obviously very, very important as they, uh, they're... they're um, they're an integral part of disaster and, and accident management. So I concur with what you're saying. Backups are not redundancy. Redundancy, as you point out, means that the user experiences no failure or no degradation. And you might use redundancy to do that. Uh, for example, online synchronization software is a lot closer to redundancy than backups, even though technically that could uh, you're backing up the entire time. So I concur with the sentiments of the question. Reliability versus redundancy aren't the same thing. That is correct. So for example, you might, uh, if you look at planes, uh, I think uh, Fred and I were talking about this in a recent podcast, I think it was ETOPS. Essentially, um, the FAA said that planes, which had fewer than a certain number of engines, couldn't be uh, a long distance away from an airport in the case of an emergency landing. And essentially, the more engines the plane had, the the further away from uh, from emergency landing sites that plane could be. Now, that's kind of a big deal because if you have a two-engine plane flying across the Pacific Ocean, it can't fly the same route or route as a four-engine plane because that two-engine plane has to be closer, according to these regulations, to airports for emergency landing. And the four-engine plane does. The idea being is that uh, if you have four engines, one engine failing still leaves you with three engines to uh, to happily fly the plane. And that's still 75% of your total engine capacity. If you have two engines, then if one of those engines fail, you only have one engine left. And of course, there's no single engine planes flying across Pacific anytime soon. But those regulations came out in an era where the four engine planes were fundamentally less reliable than today's two engines plane, two engine planes. So even though you have planes which are flying those, let's call it more dangerous routes today, which only have two engines, they are still more reliable than planes of the uh, plane, uh, the planes of your planes of yesteryear, which had four engines, i.e., more redundancy, because the technology for uh, for um, aircraft engine manufacturing and the quality associated with it has come a long way. So reliability is not the same as redundancy. Reliability is based on redundancy and a whole lot of other things, including component and subsystem reliability. So I hope, hopefully that answers your question. Carl also writes, resiliency versus redundancy. What's the difference? Resiliency is a term used to, respond, uh, to describe the ability for a system to recover from, uh, from an incident. And that... Uh, 
that is different to redundancy. And so resiliency, can, uh, we're seeing some funky ideas of resiliency in universities where you have self-healing materials and things like that. That's resiliency. Resiliency would also include, for example, um, organizations' disaster management plans, which would include backups. So resiliency would be a function of, uh, of things like backups and other things. But redundancy is the what you what you have in place to ensure or minimize the likelihood of that disaster or failure from occurring where you will then if it does occur you then need to test your resiliency so hopefully that answers that question you can also see i think bird has written a comment there are good these are good points in the footprints and pricing how does having one of the two pumps how does having one of the two pumps in a parallel system in standby um I'm not entirely sure what the question is. I'm just guessing that um, you're referring to what we call a switching system. And that's an entirely different webinar. But to, uh, uh, to, to talk about what a switching system is, switching system looks a lot like a parallel system or a card event system. The idea is that a parallel system, each component or subsystem or pump, starts to age from day one it starts accumulating damage from day one or at least in the way we model it so a parallel system will involve components where it's equally likely for each pump to be pumping fluid from day one now in certain scenarios if we can somehow nominate one of those two pumps to be the primary pump and the second of those two pumps to be a standby pump and then install a switching valve to protect or pre prevent any fluid from ever touching the secondary pump until the primary pump fails, then what you might be able to do is halt or slow or, or pause or whatever the right term is, the aging process for that standby pump. It's essentially kept in mothballs. Nothing touches it. Nothing starts damaging. It doesn't get old until the primary pump fails and the switching valve then transfers the fluid flow to the standby pump. And so switching systems can be inherently way more reliable than other systems should you be able should you um, be able to have components that last a lot longer in standby. One of the things you need to be careful with is that a switching system adds another way your system can fail, i.e. that switching valve. But as a rule, switching valves are relatively simple and they work, do a pretty good job. And as long as they can detect failure from the primary pump, a lot of the time they're going to successfully switch the fluid flow from uh, the first pump to the standby pump. However, lots of bad decisions have been made by modeling that system without uh, considering the reliability of that switching valve. Now, to complicate things further, it is borderline impossible to, to model switching systems using equations only and the reason being is that most pumps or components like pumps are modeled with uh, at best you know bell curves or wobble distributions that describe how things wear out and uh, something similar applies for the switching valves and as soon as you have anything that has a little bit of shape to that curve you have to use what's called Monte Carlo simulation to then model switching system reliability. That is often scary for a lot of people. And so what do they do? They make tons of assumptions. They assume you have a perfect switching system. They assume the switch will work perfectly every single time. They assume the, the standby pump works, uh, will never fail in, in a standby mode. And the last but not least is they assume both pumps have a constant hazard rate. And when you make those three god-awful assumptions, you can then use an equation to model switching system reliability. But when you use those god-awful assumptions, the reliability curve you get is so now so far removed from reality that, that, that uh, it doesn't give you any useful information. In fact, you might be shocked by the results. But if you do it properly, and um, that's, coincidentally, I'm actually finishing up a lesson for another course, which is how we use Monte Carlo simulation and models uh, switching systems you can see just how much more reliable a switching system can be because it exploits the ability to protect a standby component until it needs to be used so hopefully that comes close to addressing your question slash comment but
Greg now writes, should a detailed redundancy calculation account for common cause failures that would affect all components at one time? <laughs> Absolutely, Greg. Uh, that's itself is a subject for another webinar. And I have glossed over it a little bit, but you're 100% right. Um, for those who are unaware, common cause failure is, is a failure where the cause for a component of failure of a particular component is shared by the other the other components, which are ideally held in redundancy. So one example is if if you have two pumps right next to each other, and one pump fails explosively and catastrophically with shrapnel flying everywhere, and that shrapnel hits the second pump that's supposed to be providing redundancy, then the failure of one pump immediately negates any benefit of redundancy from having that second pump. That's an example of common cause failure. Very obvious one, but there's a lot more subtle ones as well. So for example, if you are using a brand new pump for your plants and it's replacing pumps from a previous supplier and your maintenance and installation team isn't quite as familiar with the installation processes for these new pumps. And this doesn't mean they're bad people or they're incompetent, but everyone everyone values experience. If they have, don't have a lot of experience with these brand new pumps and uh, they, they might make the same installation mistake for both those two pumps, which means these pumps fail prematurely with a common cause as well as incorrect installation procedures. So it's not just explosive failures. It can be, uh, can also be uh, from uh, things like, uh, let's just say, immature installation pra uh, practices. And so common cause failure is a very, very important thing to model. Um, again, it's subject of an entirely new webinar, but as a rule, around about 10% of failures uh, can be seen or can be assumed to be common cause if you want to have at least a, uh, a rudimentary incorporation of common cause failure. Common cause failure can be very, very difficult to model. There's lots of dissertations out there from universities where they have slightly or incremented, incrementally more useful uh, equations for or models for incorporating common cause failure. But it's also very hard for them to be calculated from scratch as well. And so often you need lots of data to try and identify trends or trying to identify uh, it's called codependencies between huge number of data, huge numbers of data points to get there. So hopefully that answers your question, Greg. Okay. So I think I've got to the end of the webinar. I've got to the end of the open questions. Are there any more questions or comments that anyone would like to make before we call it quits for February? Thank you, Mike. Much appreciated. Maybe I'll just ask a bit of revision. Does a two out of three system behave like a parallel system when it's A, young, or B, old? And we remember, when does our two out of three system behave like a parallel system? Thanks, Sebastian. Much appreciated. Thank you, Bert. Carl, much appreciated. Can anyone remember? Put in the chat window. Thank you, Nasri. Is it hey, like a parallel system when old or young? Oh, everyone's just thanking me and not answering the question. Brent, thank you. It's when it's young. Nice. That said, I got no problem with you guys thanking me. That makes me feel feel good uh, as well. But yeah, just try to remember that uh, card event systems behave like parallel systems when they're young, which is nine times out of ten, the period of their life where we're most interested in, and they have these wonderful additional benefits like being able to reduce the total capacity of your system, which might save you money and and uh, footprint in your in your uh, in your plant or your system. And that means that a two out of three system or a three out of four system or a three out of five system might be appealing to you and your organization. Um, but of course, to be able to work out if you should use a card event system versus a parallel system or a series system for that matter, you need to have the equations that, that allow you to calculate 
uh, CAD having system reliability. And today you've got that. You've also in your notes got the summary of how to compare reliabilities of series parallel and CAD event systems. So you are now armed and dangerous when it comes to selecting the right form of redundancy for your design problems moving forward. Thank you, Michael, Derek, and David. Got three more minutes on the allotted window. Just so you know, there is a vicious lightning storm outside my uh, office right now. So if I stop talking very, very soon, it's, it's either because one, I've been struck by lightning and I am dead, or two, something else, something else has been struck by lightning and I have no power anymore. Any more questions? You don't have a backup battery for your system, your office? Haha, <laughs> not this one, no. Redundant power uh, supply? Yeah, exactly. So as, a, so as a reliability engineer, I am do as I say, not as I do.